bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. My name is Tim Baker, your guest host for today. Very excited to be guest hosting again and just as excited to introduce our guest for today, Mark Pavlopoulos. Mark is a Silicon Valley software executive with 15 years experience in building tech startups. He is the founder and CEO of Syndesis. Syndesis builds engineering teams in Canada for U.S. tech companies and also offers PEO, or Professional Employer Organization, services to U.S. companies seeking to hire workers in Canada. Mark, welcome to the HR Chat Show. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me on the show. Mark, tell our listeners a little bit about your professional background and how you came to be where you are today. Just a quick overview. Um, been in Silicon Valley since mid-90s. I've always worked at tech startups, so my experience is with sales, business development, strategic alliances at small tech companies, taking new products out to market, and also spent a, a little bit of time in Canada, working venture capital for a year, worked with some Canadian tech companies. So I've actually, my career spans both sides of the border. I actually lived in Canada five years, did my MBA up there, currently based in Silicon Valley. But yeah, my professional experience has all, always been around young technology companies, new technology companies, bringing them out to market, scaling them. Wow, that's fantastic. So you are the founder and CEO of Syndesis. Tell us a little bit more about the company's history and vision. I can give you a, it's the first time Syndesis is the first, is my first uh, tech company that I launched. I did it because I noticed a lot of my friends around Silicon Valley, New York, Boston, they they had startups and we'd talk about growing pains. And one thing that came out always was it's a challenge to find good engineers. Uh, they came to learn it's a financial challenge if you're in the Bay Area or New York or Boston. Um, they cost a lot. There's companies, you know, the Amazons and Facebooks and Apples, they offer sometimes fifty dollars or $100,000 over um, bonus or increase in salary. So startups are always struggling to find good people. And then the ones who tried to find engineering teams in the Ukraine or in India, they ran into time zone challenges, communication challenges. I, I, I heard a constant problem out there and I thought, wait, Canada. I've lived in Canada. I've met a lot of engineers in Canada who didn't want to go to the US, but were jealous of their friends who did come down and wanted to work on cool engineering projects. And then I just realized, wait a minute, there's a great opportunity here. I have some experience living in Canada. I understand the differences, but I also know the needs Silicon Valley has. So that's how I found a Syndesis. Originally, it was a recruiting company. I build software engineering teams in Canada for VC-backed startups in the US. And then from the HR side, it quickly expanded to my U.S. clients asking me, well, how about employment of these workers? We don't have a Canadian subsidiary. And I quickly realized they needed help there. These were young companies growing. They didn't have time to figure out operations in Canada. One of the best services I could offer them is building a professional employment organization. So I created Syndesis Canada in parallel to the recruiting company, offers remote employment services for workers across Canada for U.S. technology companies. Could be one person, could be a team of 30 or 40. I used my knowledge of uh, current problem that existed in the U.S. and knowledge of Canada and put them together and came up with Syndesis. Yeah, because there would be a number of U.S. companies that see where the talent is on the other side of the border, but not, but don't have a presence and entity themselves in Canada and are looking for solutions on how to employ them. So we often hear terms uh, such as uh, cross-border employment, outsourced employment, third-party employment, 
tell us a little bit more about what that is uh, or the sort of the PEO model and how it works. You brought up a lot of terms. I was, I was thinking through it. I've heard in different meetings I've had across, you know, with the you know, engineering VPs, HR VPs who are trying to plan like where we can get good people or if they already have someone, how they can employ them. The PEO model is unique because what it does is it allows the U.S. company to have a greater say in the employment of the person. So one thing, if you contrast that with outsourcing, outsourcing is basically a firm with lots of engineers. You hire them. They're their people. They don't wear your T-shirt. They don't get your business card. They don't, they're not, they don't get your stock options. They're not really part of your team. They're more mercenaries. And from my experience with startups, that doesn't really work very well for them. So what the PEO model is unique is it allows me to be the employer, the employer of record um, in Canada, keep everyone compliant with all the Canadian employment laws, yet the company gets to select the person. They get to interview, determine who works for them. Is that person a startup person? It's their candidate, whether it comes from my recruiter or that sometimes people find their own. It's basically, I think it's very important for these companies to make their own choices because they have very specific needs. It takes a certain kind of person to work at a startup, handle the uncertainty, the rigors, I leave that decision to the companies when they're ready with that person, then I can come in and say, you found the right person, you you know who should be part of your team, now let me help you with employment of them. And I guess another way of saying it is, it's the model I have is not a staffing agency, it's more of letting the company in the US have the choice of who they employ, then when that decision's been made, because indeed as Canada as a PEO can help them with that legal employment of that worker in Canada. Right. Okay. So as the employer of record for these people, so these workers can stay in Canada, be employed, and, and the work they're actually doing is for the U.S. company. So so that's great. So now we have a, a, a pretty good idea of what all this means. How did you come to discover, and you alluded to this a little bit at the beginning, how did you discover the need for this type of solution uh, for U.S. companies? Well, first I had to, yeah, I had a, like with any startup, you have a hypothesis of, I think people in the U.S. could use Canadian engineers remotely. And in parallel, I think if someone found their own remote engineer, from my experience of living in Canada, they probably don't understand Canadian laws. They might need some help. So first, those are the two parallel theses that I had. Then I went out and just basically validated that. I reached out to the entire tech community that I knew of HR VPs and engineering VPs to find out more about the challenges they faced. This one showed up all across the board, finding top talent, employing them, keeping them long-term, keeping them happy. Those different questions came up all across the board. And whenever I asked about Canadian engineers, I would bring the question up, like there's the, there'd almost always be responsive. Oh, I never thought of that. We were just used to thinking of India, you know, Ireland, et cetera. Hey, we've got a Canadian engineer on staff. You know, yeah, we do know some really great people. Okay, Marcus, you know, you've enlightened us on this. You know, let's let's talk about how to do it. It basically had to validate the the, the prospect or the hypothesis initially, but the feedback was overwhelming. Of there's a need, and then I went ahead and launched the company and dove in. Being a, myself, being an HR professional, I understand the difference between an employee and a contractor. So, explain a little bit why a U.S. company would not want to set up their workers in Canada's contractors. Are there risks? Yeah, that, Tim, that question comes up all the time. Like what, um, on the PEO side, we'll, uh, someone will find me and they'll say, oh, we've had this worker in Canada that employs a contractor. And the first thing I will tell them is, oh, is this person working sole with you? Or they split their time you know, between two different companies. They're like, no, they're all, they're all in with us. 
And then I have to explain, well, that arrangement is technically illegal in Canada. Um, a contractor is someone who would work for a couple companies, you know, maybe 80-20 or 50-50. But if someone's all in with one company, that's an employee relationship. And so first thing I have to let them know, like there's rules in Canada are different around contractors than rules in the U.S. And then the second question I'll always ask is, what contract did you use? And I'll always hear someone say, oh, we took our California contract and and, and, and sent it up there. And I'm like, well, the, that, the worker you have is in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, or they, they might be out Montreal, Quebec, that your California employment contract is not really valid um, in Canada. It doesn't take care of the person legally. So usually there's a little bit of enlightenment um, around what is legal and what isn't. And then the conversation goes from there. Yeah, that certainly is. Um, there, there are grayish areas around employee versus contractor, independent contractor, dependent contractor. We like to make it uh, a little bit difficult here in, in Canada to, uh, to really define that. And of course, a, a company certainly would not want to misclassify a worker because there could be risks and potential penalties and so forth. So you're in San Francisco. How do you ensure that your recruitment, HR, employment of your workers in Canada is in compliance and follows all of our many laws and legislations and so forth? That is a good point to make, Tim. Their laws in Canada are quite different in, in employment around, than the U.S. So a bit of it's from personal experience. So um, after I got my MBA, came back to the U.S., I uh, got my MBA in Canada, but then ended up going back to Canada and living in Toronto for three years. So yeah, I had a couple jobs, a couple work permits, had to get set up with healthcare. So firsthand, I realized the differences of here's how some of the laws go in Canada as I was getting set up. So knowing that obviously there's extreme differences, I basically uh, used the consulting services of someone who had built one of Canadian Canada's PEOs, as well as one of the top employment lawyers. So I basically have to be legally compliant. All the provinces are different. My offer letters actually depend on the province. There's some things in Quebec you can do around employment law. There's certain specific things around termination and vacation. Those are specific to Quebec. Those don't occur in Ontario and they don't occur in Alberta, Alberta, British Columbia, et cetera, all different Canadian provinces had their own unique laws. I basically have an employment lawyer vet all my contracts and make them compliant across Canada with the most current employment law. And as many of my U.S. clients have said, that's too much for us to do. We're glad you're handling that because it's, you know, in the U.S. it's complicated, but to take on other countries, employment law, it's too much for a growing company. Again, that's where the PEO model's there. That's that's what I am paid to do is to take care of all these issues to make the U.S. companies aware and compliant with U.S. laws. But I'm looking to top employment lawyers and HR consultants to help with that. Great. So that uh, puts the responsibility of employment on you and, of course, the U.S. company not having to worry about that because they know it's being taken care of. So uh, so far, we've been talking mostly about from the, the employer's perspective. Let's talk a little bit about the the employee, your employee, the worker themselves, uh, how do they benefit from this solution of being employed by Synthesis rather than being a contractor? I mean, they're still getting paid. So what's what other benefits do they have of, of uh, you know, going with this model? Yeah, there are some specific benefits, Tim. Um, and yeah, there's differences. So the benefits we'll get to in a moment. The I think one of the biggest differences is, and I, I've worked as a contractor, I've a contractor, sometimes you're feeling a bit like a mercenary, you're brought in to do some work versus if you're an employee, there's a 
there's a different mentality that goes to the company saying, we choose you, we want to work with you. We want you to have our stock options. We want you, you know, to wear the company t-shirt and we want you to be part of our of culture of who of what we're trying to build. We want to be have you all the way in. So the contractor versus an employee relationship is quite different. Syndesis allows the company to have an employee relationship with that person as opposed to just maybe more arm's length. Then for the worker themselves, that's also a feeling of, hey, I've been chosen by this company. They you know, they, they want me as part of their team. They made a specific choice. They're not just renting my services. There's a long-term play here. And that's one, I think it's one of the biggest benefits. But second also is, it can be healthcare benefits. It can be an RSP plan. There's things that people like to have that most employers will take care of. And that's something as a PEO, we, we offer both those services additionally for workers. Again, it's it's an added benefit. The healthcare plans are, you know, the vision, dental, prescription drugs, et cetera. Most people come to expect that, and knowing that their company is, in most cases, paying for that, uh, just an added benefit for them. It makes employment uh, a lot more e- comfortable for someone as a, an employee relationship than the arm's length contractor relationship. Right. That speaks a lot to when we talk about culture and whatnot, so that the the worker doesn't feel sort of at arm's length and, and is, is not being paid just for their services, but they're actually part of the company and, and, you know, receiving equivalent benefits and so forth that they might, if they actually moved down to the U S and work for the company. So it's obvious that there's some great solutions here for U S companies accessing talent in Canada. And uh, you and I have known each other for a, a few years uh, are there any new elements recently or changes that have influenced how or with whom you do business? Yes, Tim, there are there are some big changes happening right now. So the I told you when I launched Syndesis initially, I went to talk to you know, engineering VPs, HR VPs about some of the challenges they're facing. Those same conversations that I'm having over the last year plus have now switched. Now the conversation is deep concern around uh, work visas in the U.S., the H-1B um, that allows tech workers to work um, for a U.S. tech company. So due to changes um, in Washington, there is extreme pressure on these visas. They're getting harder to come by. They're being rejected. So you take an engineering shortage that exists in, in Silicon Valley, New York, and Boston, and now you're making it worse because immigration challenges are, it's difficult to keep workers that weren't born in the U.S., and the flip of this is, since I operate cross-border, I'm always in tune with what's going on on the Canadian side. Canada has aggressively gone in the opposite direction. They're they're unique. They have a immigration program called Global Skills Strategy. Goal is to bring over 200,000 engineers into Canada. They give out work permits, Tim, in 30 days to qualified candidates. They're very fast. Then you get permanent residency in one to two years. So what I've realized is, as my U.S. clients now are bringing new challenges up. Uh, how you know what are we going to do about this? There's a really interesting solution uh, we can chat about another time, but it's the idea of either moving displaced workers on H-1Bs who can't stay in the U.S., moving them to Canada. There's a model to do that, or just outright building new operations up there for those workers. It's a it's a unique time right now, and been really uh, impressed by the solutions Canada's come up with around um, immigration, what they're trying to do for, to, for their tech sector. I think U.S. companies could hugely benefit from it. Yeah, that is very interesting and and sounds like uh, could be a bit of a subtopic conversation that we could talk about. If, you're, if you'd be interested in doing a second episode, we could certainly uh, dive into a little bit more detail about that and what that 
needs for U.S. companies as far as solutions and uh, and so forth, and for the workers themselves. So if you're up for it, we could do a, a second one in the near future. I'd love to. It's a, it's a hot topic right now in, in HR and tech uh, around this. And I think there's a yeah. unique solution that exists. So, yeah, we'd love that, Tim. Wonderful. Well, that's so we're coming up um, close to the end of our time for this episode. So, first of all, I wanted to thank you very much for taking your time to speak with me and with the listeners today um, about you, Synthesis, the services. Tell us how uh, can people get in touch with you to learn a little bit more? A couple ways. I think in the show notes, there'll be a link to the website. Um, Synthesis.com is probably the best way to do it website gives a quick overview of what we do and uh, there's definitely a way to contact us that way or just you can reach me at mark m-a-r-c at syndesis.com that is it for another episode of the hr chat show once again my guest has been mark pavlopoulos of syndesis thank you again mark and i'm tim baker your guest host today and as always happy working Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.